Below the Yellow Line studio, it's the Below the Yellow Line podcast. Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Below the Yellow Line podcast, episode number 78. And as you can see, or at least the, our YouTube viewers can see, you can see both of us. It's incredible. It's amazing. We are here. And uh, we are here. And Emily's audio should be a little better for all our audio listeners. Um, internet shouldn't be going out tonight. Shouldn't be having those issues. Very exciting. Very exciting next two days on the show because tomorrow, and I know we don't usually have a show on Thursday, but ARCA driver Landon Lewis will join us on the show tomorrow. So hopefully that'll be out uh, tomorrow at the latest. It'll be out on Friday, and then it'll be Cup Preview Friday, and we'll have another episode uh, with us. But Emily, um, I've done enough talking in these first <laughs> 42 seconds. I know your mouth's kind of full of, of what, like creme brulee or, or some Take fancy guess. dessert. Take a guess what I'm uh, eating. A pie. Closer. Cake. Aversion. Chocolate cake. No. Uh, butterscotch cake. I don't know. Shoot, Not tell a me traditional what it is. cake. I have no clue. Cheesecake. cheesecake. Oh, cheesecake. You know, just a cake made it'll, out of cake made it'll out of cows. Soon. It'll be gone soon and I'll <laughs> I'll be focused. You're no, making you're making all the cheesecake connoisseurs that watch us jealous. I know there's so many of those out in the NASCAR community. Probably Listen, more than people, you actually realize. If you don't know, this is important. You can go to Walmart and buy just one piece. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's that's good to know. I didn't I, you know, I bought I, it too fast though. I ate one yesterday. Oh, you bought a two-pack? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just like one slice of cheesecake? That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Um, what is, aside from the cheesecake, what is your life update, humor, mm-hmm. rhetorical question? We have no restraints on how, you know, on time constraints or anything time, which is also nice. We got this new um, deal for recording and stuff, so that'll mm-hmm. make things a little easier on us. But go ahead, share. Yeah. What Whatever it is that's on your mind. I mean, obviously, cheesecake is on my mind. <laughs> Y'all know Samuel and I just uh, were on a trip recently because we were together. Uh, Still catching up on sleep? Yeah. I want to know. You know, I feel like this is like a grand debate in a lot of households. Do you unpack like right when you get home from a trip? Or do you procrastinate and wait like far too long? Because maybe or maybe not is my phone propped on my suitcase right now. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we know your answer. See... This is something that uh, I've changed on, actually. If you asked me this two years ago, I would have said, absolutely, procrastinate. But now, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm pressured by anybody. It's not like I'm told to do it. I just do it mm-hmm. as soon as I get home because I know that I'm going to have to, you know, I usually put my suitcase and my backpack on my bed as soon as I get home, right? So I know I'm just going to have to do that later. Yeah, you know, And sitting on my bed, it's in the way of my bed, and I have to sleep on my bed. So yeah, that's the kind of... You know, that's what I do with like clean laundry too. You know, I'll have shirts and shorts and stuff on my bed. And I'm like, eh, you know what? I don't want to do it right now, but I'm going to because when I go to bed tonight, I'm not going to be happy when I have to clean the stuff off my bed to get into my bed. And, and then, you know, you're just, you're, you're tired and you're frustrated and, you know, you. and you're throwing I'm... hangers and throwing shirts. And, <laughs> and then suddenly you push your pile of clean clothes onto the floor and you regret it the next day. <laughs> Because there's dog hair all over the yeah. floor, and now they are not clean anymore. So I, Lovely um, part. I'd say like 50-50. I'm not really consistent. I love to unpack right when I get home. This time it didn't happen. I did get all my dirty laundry tossed into the washer and washed, mm-hmm. but like I haven't put the few 
extra clean clothes that I took up yet. So probably tomorrow. Yeah. I, I forgot to make community post about it whenever we got to uh, to Chicago the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually we drove on the same stretch. I, I'm not sure what street we were on Lake because View. I'm I'm like what Lake was View it Lake View? Okay, yeah. So I I can't remember if that was start finish line or not, but that was somewhere on the course. We we drove you know on the hallowed grounds that Shane Van Gisbergen and dusted the field in, and we will talk about SVG a little bit later in the show. Um, Emily, what was your favorite part of that trip? It was a lot of fun. I mean, mm. I, you know, I'm not a big city guy by any means. There is one big city I'm partial to. That's it. Um, I am I'm not going to say, you know, I'm a, you know, hick from the sticks or I'm a big time country boy. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a country city boy. Mm-hmm. I'll say that, you know, small, smallish you know, city guy. But, but what did, what did you, what did you like about uh, Chi-Town? So we did an architectural boat tour. I thought that was really mm, cool. We did. Um, it kind of Until the storms storm almost we there. <laughs> rained on us. That uh, was a little stressful, but mm-hmm. I thought like it was very educational, but in an interesting way. It wasn't boring, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, I thought that was cool. That was probably yeah, one of my I favorite things. Too. Going to the beach, I hadn't done that, even though I'd been to Chicago mm-hmm. a few times before. It's just so intriguing, the fact of like going to a beach that's not on an ocean. Um, exactly. People yeah. kind of treat it as if it is, <laughs> um, you know, living in the South. Um, we have some lakes that people go to around here, mm-hmm. but it's just not the same vibe as you get mm-hmm. from the beach there um, on a lake. And so that was really interesting. Yeah. It was. Yeah. I. It was really, you know, I, and I told uh, I told the people we were with this that. You know, it's so weird for us usually when we're at the beach, we're down, you know, Florida, Alabama, wherever. We look behind us. We look to the side of us. We see high rises, but they're condos. The cities and towns that we're actually in, there's one we go to where it's it's literally just an island in South Alabama. Uh, you know, when you're down in Destin, the Florida areas, that is a small town. Like the population of Destin, I, I don't believe it's over 10,000. And I may be wrong on that, but I don't believe it's over 10,000. This is a small town. The population just grow, uh, grows like, you know, 20-fold once you add all, you know, tourists. tourists yeah. Once you barge in there and invade, you know, Florida. Um, but it's weird to be at a beach. You look behind you and you see high-rises and skyscrapers and you remember, oh, yeah, I'm in Illinois. <laughs> and it's which, so funny, which too. Which, mind you, is farmland except for Chicago. <laughs> exactly. It was so funny to drive out there. We're like half an hour away and we're like, oh, wow, look cornfields no different than what we see at home and it's just it's so funny when you go to you know in new york you know it's kind of like that too you know we, we were able to go up to uh, west point last year and you know new york is still a, a big state aside from that but you're just you're surrounded by beautiful mountains and everything it's like wow i can't believe you know the biggest city in the country is half an hour away and and you know you're kind of like that when you go up to dc too you know yeah you get up to northern virginia and it really starts to feel like northern virginia and it starts to feel like a big city but um you know, you're driving up there and it's a lot of farmland, a lot of freeways. It does not, a lot of big cities in this country, um, don't really feel like big cities until you are in them. And that's the unique thing about the U.S. is that, you know, so little of it is actually big city. We say we have all these big cities and we do, but there, there's just not much out there really aside from these big cities, which I don't Proportionately, think Proportionately, the thing. cities are very <laughs> small makeup yeah. of our country. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was telling, uh, I was telling Betsy, who's you know, one of our guests on the show, but, but current native Chicagoan, 
she was talking about a tornado that had recently come really close to Chicago. And she was like, it's weird, you know, they don't happen here often. And I, I tried to say that, I tried to say this without sounding, you know, really nerdy or, you know, know it all ish. But the reason is there's just not much area out there that is city for tornadoes to attack. I mean, you know, it's mainly farmland that gets hit by these because most of our country, if it's not farmland, statistically it's, for it to you get know, hit. Yeah. Exactly. Statistically, it's very, uh, very unlikely, just as it's statistically unlikely for Noah Gregson to not finish last in the points <laughs> this year. How about a segue? Noah Gregson, according to the athletic writer Jordan Bianchi, could be replaced next season at uh, not, not Petty Enterprises anymore, Teardrop Legacy Motor Club. John Hunter Nemechek, uh, Toyota driver, Xfinity driver, uh, went in a bunch of races this year. Um, with Legacy being a Toyota team next year, it could be John Hunter Nemechek uh, taking over the 42 car and not Noah Gregson getting back in it. Uh, we, we documented his struggles a lot. Let me actually pull up the point standings. He is last in those point standings right now. He is, I think, over 100 points back of 30th. Um, and I know he's a rookie. Um, and I think he should have a longer leash because he is a rookie. It has not been a great season for Noah Gregson. Um, I think he should have at least one more year. So let's put those standings up here for you. Um, but to see him struggle this bad, let's see. He has 199 points. He is earning less than 10 points a race. He is 104 back of 30th in Harrison Burton. And he hasn't had a big penalty or anything else. Like Austin Dillon, Chase Briscoe hasn't had a penalty. Um, I think it'd be unwise, especially since Legacy, they let go Ty Dillon last year. This would be the third driver in three years for the 42 car. Uh, but Emily, I know he's had a rough year. I try to have some more compassion since that's he's a, a rookie. But that's, that's an understatement. That's an understatement. But Nemechek's been tearing it up in the lower divisions. Um, it would kind of make sense to me if they went a different direction. But do you think Noah Gregson should be allowed to stay at Legacy Motor Club, or do you think he gets the boot for Nemechek, who has a year of cup experience in 2020? I mean, I think you've got you to gotta look at what someone's able to do. If you can't go into that series and perform well, should you stay? Probably not. You've been given a chance. You didn't mm -hmm. prove yourself. Bye. Yeah, it, it's becoming more and more of a cutthroat yeah. deal nowadays. I mean, you look back at the old Winston Cup series, A, if you weren't like 35, you weren't going to get a look from a big name cup team that has changed yeah. completely now in the modern era. And that's something I'm really interested to ask Landon Lewis tomorrow as a 17 year old kid that he is, he's winning ARCA races and getting truck rides. And, um, you know, 30 years ago, that wasn't a thing. 20 years ago, guys, Noah Gregson's age weren't even getting top tier Bush series rides. I mean, it just wasn't, it was insane to think that, uh, you know, anyone, um, of his age was going to get a ride like that. But now he's struggling so badly. Um, it's almost like with Cole Custer. Do you think a year of it going back down to the Xfinity series would do him good? And in the Xfinity series last year, he won eight races. He was one spot away from winning the championship. So that kind of segues into my next question, Emily. Do you think Noah should be set back down to the Xfinity series and and do you think he could be brought back up, just like you know, baseball sending guy a guy down to the minors? Do you think he'll be sent back down to the Xfinity Series? Do you think that's an option they explore? I mean, I would think that's something you should try. 
at least boost the morale a little yeah. bit. Um, it's just, it's a sad situation to me because he's had so much go wrong out of his control, but at the same time, even in races like Pocono, where he didn't have anything go wrong, the best finish she could muster up was 22nd. Not terrible by any means, but when, when you're expected, especially a team like Legacy that won the Southern 500 last year, that ran so good for most of the year, when you're running 30th every week, when Ty Dillon is beating you in the points, um, let me go. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead, Dylan. No, um, that's just sad. It really is. Uh, and BJ McLeod, who has run six less races, and I, Gregson did miss Sonoma. That that does hurt his points total a little bit. But BJ McLeod is only 72 points under Gregson, and BJ McLeod has run six less races than Noah Gregson. You look at Cody Ware. He's only 134 points back, and he's run 14 less races. So... It's not like Gregson has been just hurt by penalties or that one mistress cinema really hurt him or anything. No, it's, he's just been bad. <laughs> His only hope for the playoffs, obviously, is to win. His best hope is Daytona. His best moment this year was Talladega, where he was in contention for that win before I think he got wrecked. Um, I mean, his Wendy's paint schemes have been good. I mean, that burger at the Daytona 500 looked amazing. I mean, if that's the, the, the big best thing you got going for you, though. If Wendy's is the best thing you got going for you in any facet of life, not just as a race car driver, then man, you, you, you're going through a rough patch there. But yeah, I'm uh, unfortunate for uh, for Noah Gregson. I don't think they should replace him. Give him one more year. Let him try at least. Um, I know the pressure cooker's on. I know you, in this instant gratification world, which I'm, I'll admit, I'm an instant gratificationist. Um, but you, I feel like you just, especially for a team that's had so much instability in that car, uh, they had Ty Dillon in it last year. They announced he would be leaving in August uh, next season. Um, and now he's beating the 42 car this year. Um, so it's just, it's an unfortunate situation. I think they should let him stay, though. I really do. I don't think you just boot him off the street. Who knows? Um, going from one guy who has been struggling horribly to a guy that came in and impressed the heck out of all of us. Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, it was announced today that he will run. Uh, we already knew he was running the Indianapolis Cup race when they go to the road course on August 13th. But he will be running the Truck Series race on August 11th, that same weekend. That's interesting. At IRP. Yeah, it'll be his first oval. So they don't go to the big road course. They go to an oval at Indianapolis Raceway Park, okay. which has always put on a good show. It's a short track, I think. Well... Three quarters of a mile. If he does good like on that. an oval, we're probably in for it next year. Oh my gosh. If he goes out there and wins on an oval, which I don't think he will. I mean, there are so many guys that are going to be competitive in that race, especially with it being the first the truck playoffs. But it's, I like this. And I was a little worried. I was, I was wondering, you know, okay, I have confidence in him. But if he's going to Daytona next year or the LA Clash in his first race in a cup car with no oval experience in NASCAR, I don't think that bodes well for him, but he's getting some. And I know the trucks are different from the cup cars vastly. Um, but what do you think this does for him, Emily? Do you think this helps him? And, and where do you think he'll run? Oh, gosh, I don't know. It could be anywhere. I never would have thought he was going to run the way he did in Chicago. And so um, mm-hmm. I hate to hate to underestimate him. That said, <laughs> um, I don't know. I would say like a top 15 should be considered a big day because I think as much as people have been hyping him up about Chicago, I know you should, but it's still his first oval. It's still his first truck race, yeah. especially with how 
I can't really not be harsh about it with how stupid some of the guys in the back of the pack of the truck race race. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's going to be really hard for him to get used to that. Um, he's not used to all this beating and banging yet. So yeah. if he goes out there and runs like top 10, top five, he's not going to win that race. I really don't think, but if he does, I mean, obviously we'll know. Yeah. He's as good as advertised, but I think Andy that weekend will be the bigger, uh, test of that in a cup car. Um, if there's any way for him to get an Xfinity car this year, though, later in the year at like Vegas or somewhere, Talladega, that'd be fun. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, get it on an oval in an Xfinity car, I, I think that'd be good. Um, it's interesting to think about someone coming into the Cup Series next year that's never driven an oval. It is. And, well, at least in America. Yeah, in America. Um, that's why I'm thinking, you know, is there any way Trackhouse, if that's who he goes to, and it might not be, but is there any way Trackhouse could work a deal out on relatively short notice to have him run an oval? Or, and you know, any team in the Cup Series, if there's a way to get him on for an oval race, it'd be really interesting to see that because um, that's important. You know, Denny Hamlin said this on his podcast, but NASCAR is not a sport um, that you can just hop in a car immediately and win in. Um, it's just not that kind of deal. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he performs next year for sure. Um, Richmond recap. We did a whole show about this Monday. Emily and I had our YouTube post-race show on our YouTube channel, The Spotter Stand. Uh, but Emily, quick little recap of Pocono. Chris Buescher gets the win, locks himself in, missed opportunities for 2011, but RFK dominant. What'd you think of Sunday's cookout 400? Yeah, I mean... It was almost great for for Denny. <laughs> <laughs> almost so close. So close. Didn't get our picks right two weeks in a row. Yeah, I would have been thrilled. Um, but listen, we'll take the points no matter what. It was a good race. Yeah. Um, the the green aspect of it is always so interesting. Um, definitely creates some interest, especially with pit stops and how much pit stops change things, and then the lack of restarts really makes things interesting. So. What do you think about Chris Busher's win? I mean, this is the best that Roush or Racing has looked in a really long time. Yeah. Uh, big yeah. win for them. I mean, good for him. It was unexpected in my eyes. Uh, good for him to get locked in and get that uh, kind of protection for him just because he mm -hmm. kind of needed that. You know, he wasn't in a horrible mm -hmm. spot, but um, it never hurts to have that going into the playoffs. Absolutely. Bonus points into the playoffs, too. Five, uh, five playoff points. Mm -hmm. and and Brad Keselowski, I believe the win for him is right around the corner. Uh, missed some missed some opportunities or missed opportunities rather for twenty three eleven. Tyler Reddick had a penalty late, took away a top five run. Bubba Wallace was leading in stage two and had a bad pit stop, and then they just kind of gave away some spots. Uh, ended up finishing twelfth, but Bubba is now plus fifty four to the cut line, which makes me feel a lot better. I'll put up the weekend schedule now for Michigan, going to the Michigan Raceway this weekend. Kevin Harvick is the defending winner of that race, but Bubba Wallace nearly won it a year ago. There's the weekend schedule. Practice is on Saturday, 12.35 p.m. Eastern on USA Network and MRN, qualifying at 1.20 on USA Network and MRN. About 20 minutes uh, each for Group A and Group B to get their practice in. And Sunday, the race is at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. Woo, kind of ish early start for us folks here in the Central Time Zone this weekend. USA Network, the NBC Sports app, and MRN. 
Uh, in the Xfinity race, we're not going to talk about it, but um, it, it's so funny. The race, some of these race names, they, they're not as great as they used to be. Um, but the Xfinity race name this weekend, Emily, is the Cabo Wabo 250. Greatest race name in the history of NASCAR, in my opinion. And if you're wondering what they are, they sell tequila. So name kind of makes sense for how wild it is. Uh, TV schedule, let me just make sure here. Uh, MRN has coverage starting at, uh, let's see, 1.30 Eastern Sunday. Uh, TV side race day is at 12.30 Eastern on FS1. Countdown to green, 2 p.m. Eastern on USA. 5.30 on USA Network and Peacock is the NASCAR post-race show. NASCAR Cup Series post-race show. Our NASCAR post-race show will be Sunday night and on the podcast on Monday. I just X'd out NASCAR.com. I don't need to do that. Um, I guess we can go ahead and get our picks out of the way before we talk Hall of Fame. Emily, um, don't give me your win pick quite yet, but who are some favorites? Who are three, four favorites this weekend for the uh, Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan? Listen, Denny is obviously on a roll right now, so keep an eye out for him. But I had a great week last week. The man was great here a year ago. Here. Keep an eye on him. Um, so waiting on that Kevin Harvick win. Mm, one here he a year has ago. A lot Keep an eye out. Of history here. Um, he does. The man can win. The man can win at Michigan. Um, I don't know. I'm watching him. Now, Ryan Blaney is an interesting one to me. He has just not been great over the last few weeks. I think it's like five or six straight finishes, like, or five out of the last six, like outside of the top 20, something like that. Um, he won here in 2021, and this is a big race for Ford and all of Penske. It's a track they're historically really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need a good week. Like Joe Logano, especially, he's won here like three or four times. He needs a good week, like really, really bad. Yeah. Um, but who I have my on who needs a good week, Hendrick Motorsports was trash at Richmond. Their best finishing car was Chase Elliott in 13th, <laughs> and they dominated there in the spring. Um, Kyle Larson got his first career win here. He's won here three or four times. William Byron almost won here in 21. I've had my on him as my win pick for this race for a few weeks now. Uh, Elliott, not great here, but you know he's Chase Elliott. He can win anywhere. Same thing with Bowman. Not great here, but he can win anywhere. So big week for them, especially Both with of them Bowman can, and Elliott. But will they? That is the question. But Bowman and Elliott uh, kind of need a win. Elliott 40 back to cut line. Bowman 42. They can point their way in, but I don't think it's that likely, to be completely honest with you. But Emily, uh, go ahead. Tell us your win pick for Sunday's Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan. I got to go Kevin Harvick. Going with the closer. Wow. I am. You think he gets it done? I mean, he's going to make the playoffs anyway on points. but Yeah, but I feel like he's looking for this lock. Yeah. Also, it could. I, I I hope it's not personally, but it could be his final career win. It could. And that'd be that insert crying. <laughs> um, hopefully not, but uh, it'd be a big win for him. Um, it's a track that, like you said, he has a lot of history at. Um, and I, darn it, you got me emotional over Kevin freaking Harvick now. Um, <laughs> but I I think he could do it. I really yeah. do. Stuart Haas had all four cars in the top eleven. Way to go, guys! You didn't completely suck last week. Congratulations! Congratulations! Um, but yeah, I'll be really interested to see how the four fires off in practice and qualifying as well. Um, track house also in need of a good week. They've been terrible the last three weeks. Uh, Ross won Nashville, SVG won Chicago. 
and then they fall on the face of the earth. Suarez was right on the bubble, and now he's had two bad weeks in a row. Uh, my pick for this weekend, gosh, it's so difficult. Hendrick's been struggling recently, last two, three weeks. As much as I want to pick Bubba, just not getting those vibes. Again, got the weekly vibes every week. I'm still going to go Byron. I'm going to stick with my gut. Um, but if you want an underdog, season, can't he? he can. Looking for win number five. Uh, but if you want an underdog for this weekend, look no further than Ty Gibbs. He's only 18 back Whoa. in the cut line. <laughs> he he won the Xfinity Series race here a year ago. Uh, that team is on a roll. Um, and he's in the Xfinity race again this weekend. And I didn't have him as my win pick. I've just an all guy winning that race. But I think Ty Gibbs will be a strong contender in that one. And if he gets another top five or top ten and Michael McDowell falters, which it's very possible that he does, uh, Ty Gibbs could be a lot closer or even in the playoff picture by the end of Sunday. So I, I think he can be in contention for the win. I don't think he can outrun anybody on raw speed, but if he gets a bounce of luck, some pitch strategy, a, a late race restart, I think it could happen. I really hmm. do. So uh, Ty Gibbs, my underdog pick, but William Byron uh, is my win pick. Last thing on the docket, Emily, this is going to make you happy. It's already made me happy. The Hall of Fame class was announced today for 2024, and two of the guys were kind of no-brainers. I mean, the one was um, more debated. Jimmy Johnson is the first of the three we'll talk about. Jimmy Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson is elected to the NASCAR Hall of Fame. When I first got into this sport and I was all in crazy, um... I gave all of my family members like mandatory drivers they had to root for. I gave my uncle and I gave Emily Jimmy Johnson. I'm not sure why. I don't know what my process was at all. Uh, but I gave you Jimmy Johnson. And I mean, to be fair, he did win another, he, he did win championship number Listen, seven. I got like two years later. The people that got assigned Tony Stewart. So. And Jamie, yeah, I think I gave, uh, Tony Stewart to, uh, Uncle Jason, I think I gave Jamie McMurray to Aunt Marta, yeah. and in 2014 they both missed the playoffs. So, you know, my my bad guys. I apologize. <laughs> um, I gave Poopaw Clint Boyer. I gave my grandpa Clint Boyer, and uh, he proceeded to miss the playoffs for the next three seasons. So, um, yeah. So I really Sorry, did Poopaw. get lucky with Jimmy there. <laughs> you really did get lucky. Uh, you really did. Um, but Jimmy Johnson, 83 Cup wins, seven Cup championships, a no-brainer. Uh, it's interesting. Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, and Jimmy Johnson, while all being seven-time champs, none of them were elected unanimously. Jimmy Johnson had four people that did not vote him to be a Hall of Famer. I have no clue why. Um, Who? I'll go beat him up. <laughs> that's what a lot of people have been saying. That's what a lot of people have been saying. Yeah, please say kidding for legal kidding. reasons. Kidding. I don't have for enough money to hire a lawyer. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Four people somehow didn't vote for Jimmy Johnson. Again, I don't know why. They just didn't. Um, That's sad. That he's in. Yeah. What do you think it means, though, for Jimmy? Finally, Hall of Fame. He knew it was coming. I but. think, especially right now, that reassuring, um, encouraging something in his life is going to be huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. personal stuff. But also, you yeah. know, on the racing side, he has really struggled this year and the races he's yeah. run. His team that he owns isn't doing very well, like at all. They're down in the dump. So this this helps, and it also just reaffirms if if his Hall of Fame resume needed any reaffirming. Yeah, that he is truly one of the greatest to ever do it. 
he's only number five on my list, but still, I mean, the guy just was incredible. I mean, he won five championships in a row. Nobody's ever going to do that again. Uh, it's just an incredible, incredible run. Um, but he wasn't the only one of note in that 48 camp to go in. Going in along with him, his crew chief for all seven of those championships and for like 81 of those wins, Chad Knauss. He still works uh, with Hendrick Motorsports today, helping out Jeff Gordon uh, with competition directing. Chad Knauss also goes into the NASCAR Hall of Fame, seven-time champion at crew chief. And the last one. Now, look, I love me some Jimmy Johnson, but I might love this last guy that got elected even more. Mr. Donnie Allison, member of the Alabama gang, brother of cup champion Bobby Allison. Donnie, while he didn't win a cup championship and he didn't win a Daytona 500, go ask Kelly Arbor about that one in 1979, 10-time cup race winner. Uh, but Donnie was a, was a pioneer, started racing in the 60s, raced all the way through to the 80s. And while he never really ran full-time, or at least when he did, he didn't have enough funding behind him to make a true championship run. He was just always up there in contention for the win, especially on the big tracks, the Atlantas, the Michigans, the Talladegas, the Daytonas. He was always up there, 10-time Cup winner. Uh, it's great that he's still here with us, and it's great that, that he was uh, voted into the Hall of Fame. Um, he was a top vote getter on the Pioneer ballot. Uh, uh, Donnie drew 53% of the 57 ballots cast by the voting members. Hmm. Um, and also... Janet Guthrie, who was a uh, Cup Series driver in the 70s, the first woman uh, to ever start the Daytona 500. She was given the Landmark Award, so not technically a Hall of Famer, but she was given the Landmark Award, and that's a pretty landmarking deal. Uh, but very cool for Janet Guthrie to receive that, a, a pioneer for females in the sport, first one to start the Daytona 500, I believe the first one to ever lead a lap in the Daytona 500 as well, or I may be wrong. Maybe the first one to only one ever finish in the top 10 in the Daytona 500. I don't know. I can't remember. She did a lot though. Didn't only drive NASCAR. She also drove um, sports cars and, and things of that nature. So truly a, a very talented uh, race car driver. Uh, Emily, this is the last thing we have to talk about, but what are your thoughts on uh, the Hall of Fame? Very deserving class. And, and there are some guys that were left out, certainly, yeah. but they'll probably get in anyway. Yeah, um, I don't really have a lot of knowledge of most of the guys, even though they sound fantastic and ladies, um, other than Jimmy. But, I mean, I know that that's a huge honor for all of them. So, proud. Yeah, yeah really cool. Especially, you know, for Jimmy, he was the one I got to see race uh, most of all. Uh, but Donnie Allison is just one of those guys um, that you just, you kind of have to love. I, I've heard a lot of people describe him as a guy that, you know, just kind of lights up the room when he locks in or walks in. I was listening to Sirius NASCAR radio yesterday, and Trevor Bain said that, uh, you know, whenever Donnie walked in the room, you knew you were going to have a good day. And when you can be somebody like that, as well as a very impressive on-track resume, but he also did a lot for the sport off-track, was a member of the Alabama gang with Neil Bonnet, his brother Bobby, Red Farmer, and a lot of other really cool guys. So awesome to see Donnie um, get in. I believe, Emily, that is the last thing that we had to talk about tonight. So just some housekeeping stuff here. Uh, this is on the, our podcast is on the Spotter Stand YouTube channel and all major podcast platforms. Uh, you can email us at below the yellow line podcast at gmail.com. Tomorrow on the show, we will have Arca and truck driver Landon Lewis on the 17 year old who is making a lot of noise. He's endorsed by Ron Hornaday, truck series champion. So you know, he's the real deal behind the wheel. He'll be on the show tomorrow and then Friday. 
Cup Preview Friday, and then we go to Michigan. So, race 23 of the Cup Series season. Um, Emily is picking Kevin Harvick. I'm going William Byron. We'll see. First we time battle. in two weeks that we haven't picked the same person. I know. Um, but I'm a Bubba fan and Bowman fan. So, hoping uh, hoping Bubba can, can go get that win. Or, or Bowman. Bowman probably needs to win more. Honestly, I'd be happy for either one. One. We'll have our post-race show on Monday and the week from tonight, our normal uh, normal Wednesday show. Next week, we go to Indianapolis, the Rogue Horse, SVG, and Brody Kostecki coming in hot. Um, so we will see you later. Emily, uh, go ahead and tell our, tell our viewers and listeners what they need to do. Don't forget to push all of the buttons. Like, subscribe, <laughs> comment, leave us a review, rating, all the things. All that. Hey, we have seven five-star reviews on Spotify. Woo! We are really making it in we this are. world, in this industry, aren't um, we? Watch out. Landon Lewis <laughs> Landon Lewis on the show tomorrow. Uh, and maybe some other guys coming on next week or, or soon, hopefully. So we will see you tomorrow, everybody. Emily, thank you for coming on the show. I'll see you tomorrow, and we'll see you Friday. And Fun weekend. Going to be a great weekend racing in beautiful Brooklyn, Michigan, in the Irish Hills. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>